Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. I think when we get our identity, even from our kids, like that, that is scary because, I mean, I can in one day give myself a gold star for how I've been momming, and then the other day feel like I have totally ruined their entire life. That's Kirsten Watson, and she joins us today on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, I want to say it's so clear. Mothers are incredible people. Oh, indeed. I had a great mom, (laughs) single-parent mom, and she did such a wonderful job raising us. I only had her for nine years, but she gave me my sense of humor. She did so much to pour into me, even in nine short years. And it gives me a deep appreciation for moms. Uh, They're just incredible. And while motherhood is rewarding, it can certainly have its challenges. Sometimes you just need to step back, uh, close your eyes, say a little prayer, and take a deep (laughs) breath. And here, folks on the family, we are here for you, particularly. A majority of our listeners are you moms, and we love you. We're here for you. Know it. Call us if you need help. We're like a 911 for the family. So (laughs) don't hold back. You're never going to surprise us. And I'm looking forward to today's conversation because we're going to talk with Kirsten Watson, wife of NFL veteran and a good friend of Focus, both of you, uh, Benjamin Watson. And uh, they are exceptionally wonderful people. With uh, an exceptionally large family of seven children. (laughs) And uh, in addition to being CEO of a large family, uh, Kirsten writes. She's the executive editor of Mom Life Today. She uh, co-hosts the podcast with Benjamin. I've heard that. It's good. And uh, our conversation today is going to center around a book she's written called Sis, Take a Breath. (laughs) encouragement for the woman who's trying to live and love well, but secretly just wants to take a nap. Mm. We've got copies of that book here at the ministry. Uh, Stop by FocusOnTheFamily.com slash broadcast or call 800, the letter A, and the word family. Kirsten, welcome to Focus. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Benjamin's been on a few times. Yes, he has. This is the first time, and we're so glad that you're here. I'm I'm so happy to be here. It should be a lot of fun. Um, you know, Benjamin, you guys must have had. I mean, you've been married how many years now? Seventeen years. And you have seven kids. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Exactly. I think it's so great. When I see big families like at the airport, yeah. I tend to want to jump in and help because well, you listen, don't have enough hands. Do what's you? one more? Come on, <laughs> <laughs> just help. You have got to be like experientially. You got to be. I mean, one of the best moms in the world, seven kids, Uh, managing, balancing all those balls. How do you do it? I don't know. Um, (laughs) Day by day and minute by minute. I think that's a question that I do get often because we do have a lot of kids and we do move a lot. And Benjamin was in the spotlight, so to speak, for such a long time. Um, And I think when you're in it, you just kind of hunker down and you're like, we got to get things done. We got to get to this place. But look, it's it's funny because looking back, I realize how much like God was in all of it. Yeah. Um, ordering my steps and picking me up and <laughs> giving me patience. Um, you know, it's kind of funny because we talked about this before coming on the air. Uh, Benjamin's back home with all the kids. He is. I thought maybe you know flying a couple of nannies no to help. No way. That's you guys. You guys are so down to earth. I love yeah. it. Like no, Benjamin's back there making like, the meals for the kids. If I do it when you're gone, you can do it when I'm I just gone. Love payback. Right? He's a guy who was pampered for 15 years in the NFL, and now he's flipping pancakes. Listen, I right? love it, and it's just such a good thing to see with the kids too, because you know, like I said earlier, 
he does it differently, and that's okay. Let's talk about the love story. How did you and Benjamin meet? Uh, what happened? Yes, we met at the University of Georgia. It happened to be the year that he transferred from Duke and came to Georgia, and it was um, my sophomore year, and I had just been asked to come on as a walk-on at the University of Georgia softball. For the so University you were playing Georgia. softball. I was playing softball. And he was playing football. He was playing football. And by the way, Georgia is number one right just, now. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. Um, he would love for me to say go dogs. Um, but yeah, we met at the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, actually. Oh, right. And great, so great organization. Great organization. And we were talking about having a godly dating relationship. And the side story is that people kept telling me that I needed to meet this guy named Ben Watson. And I was like, what are you, I don't want to date a football player. I don't need to know a football player. I'm good. And we were talking about <laughs> dating relationships. And Benjamin gets up and he says, my dad always told me that your relationship needs to be like a triangle. You're on one side of the triangle. She's on the other side of the triangle. And God's in the middle. The only way you can get close is if you're individually seeking the Lord. And that moves you kind of up the triangle towards the point. And I remember looking at my friend and I said, what's his name? <laughs> That's the guy I was telling you about. Oh, I was wow, like, man. oh now I want to know who this Ben Watson that is. is. So and funny. so that was my first impression of Benjamin. Yeah, that's great, <laughs> though. Now, you guys agreed, which is great, by the way, statistically, to do premarital counseling. <laughs> yes. we, we've actually got something here at Focus for those couples and mm-hmm. for pastors who are doing it. Mm-hmm. But if you get something like 10 hours of premarital counseling, your likelihood of marital success is 85. So people should do it. You and Benjamin did do it. But you learned some interesting things about each other, which is the whole point. (laughs) The whole point, exactly. Are we compatible? Are we right for each other? But what did you learn about each other? Um, We learned a lot. I mean, Benjamin and I, you may not know this by looking at us now, but we argued a lot. We are both (laughs) firstborn, (laughs) always right. Um, So when we get together, it's a a battle um, over the color of the sky, or it could be anything. Um, So in premarital counseling, our counselor, it was great because he sat us down. He said, I want you all to know that even after we go through this, if I don't feel that you all are ready for marriage, I will not marry you. And I remember looking at Benjamin like, this is serious. And it was serious to him, which made it serious for us. And I remember one of the first times I looked at Benjamin sideways was when we talked about having kids. And we both said we wanted four children. And then the pastor said, well, what is what would the family look like? once you have kids. And Benjamin said, well, my hope is that Kirsten would stay at home once we started having kids. And I was like, what? Are you serious? Like, that we had never discussed it. I'd never knew his hopes and dreams for that. And I was thinking, you know who you're marrying, right? A girl who's about to set the world ablaze yeah, with right. our businesses. And I just remember thinking, wow, I would have never known that until maybe we had our first child. Yeah. That was his expectation. And it was so nice to to have that be brought up by the pastor and for us to have continuing conversations about it once that meeting was over. Well, it's clarifying, right. isn't it? And I think, you know, let me ask that question. It may not have been directly in the book, but women really are struggling. Christian women mm-hmm. are really struggling with this right now because they're perceiving that they get greater identity mm-hmm. out of vocational mm-hmm. efforts when at the end, I mean, even some of those early feminists in the 60s have said now that they regret not marrying and having children. Yeah. Um, that childbearing is something sacred. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's amazing. And let me give you that opportunity to punch that. Even though you went to school, you're this marketing yeah. genius right. <laughs> <laughs> and ready to set the world ablaze. But right. in, in the days are long, yes. you know, cleaning up 
both ends of a baby's body right. is not right. really right. But man, I'm telling you, when they are launching and getting into their 20s and 30s, and you mm-hmm. see that. It's an incredible uh, experience. But speak to that for the moms that are saying, I'm kind of back where you were, Mm -hmm. Kirsten. Help me get a better perspective. Yes, I think that um, finding our identity in anything but God is very dangerous. And so I think when we graduate from school or we have these ideas, these hopes and dreams, our identity really is in that. And the hope is that God will join our plan. And so when our lives look different, I remember after having five kids, being in Baltimore, and every I was homeschooling, and everyone was crying, and I was crying over not teaching math, and they were crying over not getting math, and you You're know a all the things. Major. And I'm like, God, <laughs> I was made for more than this. Like I have a degree. I sing "Wheels on the Bus Goes Round and Round" all day. Is this it? And I just remember, like, it was. And it's funny. It was through a, um, a Veggie Tales that um, it was. A, it was a story of David, and I remember God showing me through that, saying, you know. David was just a shepherd, Kirsten, and everything he was learning, everything he was doing on the day-to-day may not have been what he wanted to do and may not have been what um, he thought he should be doing because his brothers were doing something that was very exciting. But everything that he was doing was preparing him for what I had for him. Mm. And so I remember thinking, okay, Lord, I release it. Like, if this is it, if, and this is five kids in, guys. This is not like my first year of marriage. This is several years yeah. in of me just battling, like, when am I going to go to work? When am I going to do this? Is this all I have? And I remember thinking, God, you're preparing me for something, and I'm going to trust you. And I know that through with the stories in the Bible, you don't waste anything. Yeah. You don't waste any of our experiences. You don't waste what we do on a day-to-day. And if we're giving glory to you, that's what's important, and that changed everything. I let go of a lot of what I thought I should be doing, and I said yes to what God had placed in front of me, and that was the difference. Yeah. And I look now at your this book. I never wanted to write. I was I liked writing, but writing a book was like number one thousand on my list of <laughs> things to do. And here I think, you know. God used all of that, and he didn't waste it. So my encouragement to moms who are out there thinking I should be doing something else, my encouragement is that God has you right where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And lean in um, and surrender, because what he has for you will blow your mind. Right. And I love that. I think it was Irma Bombeck who said, you know, to the adage, the grass is greener mm-hmm. on the other side. She said, no, the grass is greener where, where you, you water, water it. it. Mm-hmm. So for the moms and for the dads, I mean, that's the season. It's mm-hmm. a season. It is a season. And it's the highest calling that God can give you to raise the next right. generation. That's awesome. Well, we've kind of set up the title of the book, Sis, Take a Breath. <laughs> and you mentioned in the book how Pilates class <laughs> got you to understand breath. Yes, it did. I had worked out. I was an athlete in high school. I was an athlete in college. I worked out after all of our kids. So I knew how to work out. But it wasn't until after our fifth and I was working out with a trainer. She was observing me. And um, after the workout, which I thought I totally nailed, I like, <laughs> of course, You're I did not everything. Are I'm you? not competitive. I'm like, I did ten push-ups. That's all you want. And so after it, she, I was like, so are we ready to get started? She's like, well, I just want to tell you that um, you're breathing incorrectly. <laughs> and I was like. Excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> it's like insert eye roll. I'm like, I appreciate your ob- observation, but I think you're wrong. I'm an expert um, in breathing. Exactly. I do it every day. Um, and she's like, you really, um, you're muscling through things and you're not really using the strength that you really have on doing the exercise. Um, and I remember thinking, huh, 
that's interesting. And then the next meeting, and our every week we would meet, and I realized that I had been doing it wrong. And huh. it related really to my life of how I was just doing life, like pushing it, like, you know, struggling and, you know, forcing and just muscling it rather than using the breath that God gave me to really look at the situation, get perspective and find strength in moving forward. And so it's kind of crazy that Pilates did that because I'm not a huge fan. You know, I like more of the weights, but it was through (laughs) Pilates that made me realize that my strength, I'm a lot stronger than I think I am. And I think in life, what I'm realizing now, I'm trying to learn more is that the more I breathe in God's word, um, the more peace I have. Uh, I love this uh, story you had in the book. Uh, at a brave moment as a mom, you asked your kids, you know, <laughs> kind of, how am I doing? I yeah. did that with a report card for my boys. That oh, was, that's nice. Yeah, it had a little daring response. Mm-hmm. I think the lowest mm-hmm. grade I had was a C, but I'm not a C student. <laughs> yeah. I like to be an A student. I like to be all A's. But it was the same concept. What What did your kid say when you offered uh, for them to give you some improvement tips? <laughs> Well, they had a lot to say. Uh, that's not good. Um, actually, at first they didn't because they thought it was a trap. They're like, yeah, right. You want us to tell you what you're doing this. wrong? This is totally a setup. <laughs> but really it was it was a, um, a practice and being able to tell the truth tactfully and honestly and thinking about how it comes across. I mean, you don't say, mom, this was an awful dinner, but you could say it differently. What would that sound like? So, so the idea of like creating around our table the idea that truth can happen, honesty can happen. Maybe our feelings get hurt, but really, like, how do we practice telling the truth? The same way I want them to tell them the truth about the Lord. Like, there's a way that you say what God said in the Bible, and and that has to be practiced. And so, in this, you know, I got one of the major, the funniest ones was, you know, mommy, I don't like cereal, and you make us eat cereal because <laughs> I'm like, dude, that's not changing. It's not <laughs> right. changing. You are I'm not, not a morning person. I am not making biscuits for you every morning from scratch. You know, so that was some of them were funny, but other ones were like, I just want more time. I wish I had wow. more time. Or um, at one time we were kind of potty training one of our kids. It was like, I feel like you're mad at me when I you have to when I call you to come help me in the bathroom and I'm like baby I'm not mad normally it's right when I'm in the middle of doing something else and so it feels like I didn't say this in my head it feels like I don't want to help you but I do so it helped me to get Mm. perspective from their point of view Mm. so a lot of it was really good some of it was funny but ultimately, it was really good. Yeah, and that what's so good about that is opening up that dialogue. Mm-hmm. And then they understand a little bit more about how you're thinking and feeling and right. how you know how they're thinking and feeling. That's great. Yeah. I think it's really think awesome. As adults, we get old, and sometimes we don't have the opportunity to tell our parents some of the things they may have said that hurt us. Mm. And I really am trying, we are trying to create an atmosphere where our kids can come to us and say, you know, when you said that, it really hurt my feelings. And then I don't take it, you know get super defensive, but I have an opportunity to say, I'm sorry. Like, that's not what I meant. So it's opening the conversation. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. It's time to level up. Give your kids a safe, faith-focused, and biblically-based community, and so much more. Join the Adventures in Odyssey Club. Club members get on-demand access to the exciting Adventures in Odyssey series, including more than 900 episodes. With faith-building activities, parental controls, and a safe online community, the Adventures in Odyssey Club could be your best adventure yet. Learn more and start your free trial at adventuresinodyssey.com radio. Clubhouse is 
really edifying in every part of it. A resource that supports your values. We subscribe to other magazines and every once in a while there will be a story that questions a parent's authority or kids behave in a way that I don't like and we never have that problem with Clubhouse. I can trust it. Learn more about Focus on the Family Clubhouse and Focus on the Family Clubhouse Junior Magazines at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Club Radio. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. I so related to this next question uh, kind of uh, through Jean, who Mm. became kind of the homeroom mom. You know what she pointed out to me? There's like two or three moms in a given class mm-hmm. that end up, I mean, they're with the kids all the time, K through 12. We went yep. through a to a charter school, so the kids went K through 12. And it started early, like in kindergarten, the three same moms did mm-hmm. first grade, second grade, third grade. And it was a class snack. So what did you learn <laughs> through the class snack experience? You know, I learned a lot through doing these class snacks that, you know, just the good old box of whatever you get off the shelf is not good enough. No if, way. If, you're, if you're talking about whatever you're talking, Roman Empire, Greek mythology, if you're doing something on How a certain does that country. Connect, well, it connects because I thought I was just saying yes to a snack on a, on a class project. And I was thinking, this will be easy. Let me say a good yes but then it became, well, we needed to be this, and we needed to not be this. Themed. Themed. themed <laughs> what type of food, what was allowed, what wasn't allowed. And I was like, this has gotten to be too much. It's mm. extra. And I say, you know, that's what I call it in the book. Like, I don't need extra. And so now, and I say I don't need extra, and people ask me to do things, I really consider all of the things that I'm saying yes to. Um, let's talk about the perfect Thanksgiving that you had planned <laughs> <laughs> I, this is funny because it, yeah. I, again we all relate to this. Yeah, so. it's funny and sad at the very same <laughs> what was time. Your perfect plan and well, how did it turn per- out? Yeah, well, it, we were getting we were going to do Thanksgiving somewhere else, and the idea was that we were going to go to this place and we were going to have Thanksgiving as a family somewhere else that they the kids had never been, and so I was going to cook all of the food at home and then bring it with us so that way on Thanksgiving I wouldn't have to cook. And so what ended up happening is I'm trying to do all the things. We're getting ready to leave, but the kids are at school at home online. And one of my sons is like, Mommy, can you come here? And I'm like, dude, I'm trying to do a million things. Like, what do you need? He's like, just come here, please. And I'm like, babe, I can't because I'm like taking stuff in and out of the oven. I'm like trying to create this perfect I'm making dressing. Come on, don't you (laughs) want this, you know? And he's like, finally, he's like, out of desperation, he's like, Mommy, please, can you just come here? And so I, I close the oven, I put stuff down, take up, and I walk over to his seat, and I see all of these little faces on the Zoom, and the teacher goes, everybody ready? Has everyone gotten the one thing that they're thankful for? And I'm like, tears on the Zoom. Like, my son had, had been asked to get the one thing that he was Aww. thankful for, or something that he was thankful for, and bring it to the Zoom hmm. meeting. And he was persistent, and get, it makes me want to cry thinking about it, to get me to come and sit next to him. I was like, in that moment, I could have missed it. Wow. Could have missed what I thought was important, what I thought I was planning for this perfect day. And in the moment, mm. something very special was happening. And so, I mean, it still brings tears to my eyes. That, I mean, it was just so sweet. Absolutely. And I was fussing. And I, it was a really sweet moment afterwards to be like, but I'm sorry. Yeah. I am so sorry that I thought this was more important than that. And it was just a, it was just a great reminder of like, you know, Kirsten, you have to have perspective. Yeah. 
And you could miss out if you are too busy doing something that's not that important. It's a great reminder. Mm-hmm. Let me, uh, in the next few minutes here, just ask those really critical questions. Um, why is a relationship with God so important for a mom? You cover it in the book. It seems elementary, like this is 101, spiritual class 101. Yeah. But we get so distracted, men and women, but right. for the mom, why is it so important? Yeah, I think it's important. I think we touched on it a little bit earlier around identity. And I think when we get our identity, even from our kids, like that, that is scary. Because, I mean, I can in one day give myself a gold star for how I've been momming. And then the other day, feel like I have totally ruined their entire life. And well, so, even the scorekeeper. Yeah, I mean, yeah. seriously. I it's mean, yeah. so bad. And so God's like, listen, I am firm. I am true. I do not lie. I am holy. I am all the things that God says he is. It's like He's like, this is why I want your identity to be in me and in nothing else, because I do not change. And so for moms, I think we get busy. We, it's very important work. And I tell my, it's a season, like I remember people saying, oh, I had some time with the Lord. Or I, I talk about it in the book. I say, Benjamin will say, I was in the hot tub today at work because you know, he's a football player. And he's like, <laughs> and I was reading through and I'm like, oh, really? You were reading in the Bible? Like the by yourself tub? in the hot tub? Oh, that's so <laughs> nice of you. And I think, you know, there's, there's moments where as moms and we're at home and we're, and, and we're working that we feel like we don't have time with the Lord. And my encouragement is always, God is always talking. So whether it's through a song you're listening to, um, something that you're doing with your kids, like it's important to know and have your identity in Christ and to know what God says in his word. What did your daughter Naomi teach you about <laughs> listening to God? You know, it's step by step. So the, the, the story is we were at a zoo and there's this big, huge tree. In New Orleans, they have these huge trees that are like hundreds of years old with these huge branches and the kids can walk on them. And there's this kind of walking tree in the zoo and so the kids climb the the branch comes down to the ground and so they literally can get on in the ground they walk up and then they can jump down um, once they get to the branch that sounds like fun it's a lot of fun and there's like a (laughs) line it's it's amazing and i remember uh, my daughter naomi got on to the branch and she got to the point where she was like you can't hold my hand anymore i'm too high up and i want to get down and she couldn't because that meant she would have to jump in my arms which would have been a lot but then there's also a line of kids behind her. And so they were all like, come on, you know, like telling her to hurry up. I was like, Naomi, she said, mommy, just let me drop. I was like, no, you're going to finish. You're going to finish. Mm. It's not that far away, but just listen to me. I was like, come on, one more step. But she finally makes it to the part where she can, she grabs on and she jumps down and this huge smiles on her face. Cause it's like, I did it. And I look at my friend who is there at the the zoo with us, and they're just tears streaming down her face. And she says, Kirsten, at that moment, she was only listening to your voice. Like nothing else was mattering. Nothing else was like she was just keyed into your voice step by step. And that is how we should be with the Lord. Right. It's scary. It's uneven. It's not straight. It feels like we can't do it. It's too high. And there's a lot of voices telling us what we should do. But God says, listen to me, take another step, take another step, reach here, go there. And I think that's just how I have tried to live my life is listening to what he has to say and say, no, do this. Don't do that. But go here. Yeah. Say that. 
open this door, smile to this person. It's like that continuous talk with the spirit of like, what do I do next? Yeah. And probably that final kind of limb coaching, if I call it that, mm-hmm. for the mom listening who's wrung out. Man, yeah. everybody's been pulling on her, the kids, yeah. her husband. Mm-hmm. She has nothing left in the tank. Yeah. She doesn't have time for quiet time. Yeah. Um, she's just wrung out. What's that coaching as she's walking like? on that limb? What are the words that you would say to her that the Lord said to you? Yeah. Um, first of all, I've been there. <laughs> and the encouragement is you got this. Like this season will be a season, um, but God will not waste it. Yeah. He will not waste it for the kingdom. And my encouragement is to, to do what you do, what you're doing, like get up. And my prayer every morning, like, Lord, I don't have what it takes. <laughs> I only have these amount of fish and this amount of bread. <laughs> like You're going to have to make a miracle. And Lord, I just need what I need for today because I'm already worried about tomorrow, but you told me not to. So just give me enough for today. And so I think when we posture ourselves as it's not up to me, like I can't do everything, like Lord, tell me what's important. My encouragement to that mom is that you got this, take a breath and and find some other women. Yeah. We can't do this alone. We cannot do this alone. We were not meant to do it alone. We cannot do it alone. And so if you, those women that will be with you in those times that will pray for you, that will lift your arms up when you have nothing else to hold them up with. And those, those women are the reasons why I'm able to say, I know how you feel. And they are the ones praying for me. They are the ones that like brought me dinner for my kids. Cause I was like, I have nothing else. <laughs> right, I'm done. Um, yeah. So that would be my encouragement. We're out of cereal. <laughs> yeah, what are we going to do? Because these people want biscuits made from scratch. <laughs> Kirsten, this has been so good. A mother of seven, let's just start there for yeah. uh, your experience. And author of the book, Sis, Take a Breath. Mm-hmm. What a great resource. And I encourage moms to get a copy of this so they can put sanity back in place of insanity yeah. and chaos. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, Boy, for the listener, uh, this is a great resource, man, and you need it. And husbands, you might want to pick this up a little clandestinely and then give this to your wife to encourage her and to help her through that daily grind. Mm -hmm. And what a great statement that would be. And maybe offer to do something special at the same time to get some of the load off her shoulders. But send us a gift for any amount. Be part of the ministry. Help us uh, help others. And we'll send you a copy of uh, Kirsten's book as our way of saying thank you for uh, being with us. Yeah, join the partner team today. Make a donation as you can and make uh, videos, podcasts, and broadcasts like this uh, available to encourage moms. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family. 800 232 6459. And we'll have details about donating and getting a copy of this book at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break here and then return with another faith-building program for your family. Stay tuned. 
Hi, Jim Daly here. Today's culture deeply needs help, but in times like these, the light of Christ can shine even brighter. So be encouraged to share His light in this broken world. Listen to the Refocus with Jim Daly podcast. Without time limitations, I'll have deep, heartfelt discussions with fascinating guests who will encourage you to share God's grace, truth, and love. Check out the podcast at refocuswithjimdaily.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Greg, let me ask you, what are some things you do around the house to help out? Oh, boy. <laughs> yes, Greg. <laughs> it's funny you should ask that. Right uh, here in front of millions. You know, my the thing that I really have been focused on lately is <laughs> oh mine is the dishwasher loading and unloading the dishwasher is now my responsibility. I've taken that over. Well, there you go. It's one thing you can do to help out at the home. And it's the season of the dishwasher for our guest there, Dr. Greg Smalley. Uh, This is Focus on the Family, and we're going to be talking about household chores and how to navigate uh, the assignment and the the working out of household chores. Our host is Focus President Jim Daly. And uh, Jim, we have Greg and his wife Erin here. And you're a little bit on the hot seat because I think that kind of question you asked Greg is going to be coming your way as your wife Jean is here at the table as no, well. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it There's is. no way. Yeah, this is not fair. Where's Dina? How come Dina's not at the well, table? Well, I did not want to shame anybody yeah. here at the table because I'm so good at this Oh, thank at home. you, John. I appreciate so. you inviting Aaron and Jean to the table. To... I'm going to call Dina this afternoon. <laughs> it is good to have you with us, Jean. Thank you. It's fun being here. And it's great to have you here too, Aaron. Thank Even you though so you're gonna much. hold us accountable to things that we don't want to be held accountable to. I'm going on record saying it's not good to be here. You know, after let, that open question. Let me ask you this. Uh, some recent Pew research showed that uh, sharing household chores is the third highest ranked key to a successful marriage. Uh, that's unbelievable. You would think communication, that's probably one or two. But when it comes down to chores, really the third highest ranked item in a marriage is help me that's incredible yeah you know i think it has so much to do with just this fact of that we are sharing all these responsibilities i mean you think about it to manage a home children work i mean all the things that we have to do if we've developed a system where we're really sharing that what it's doing is communicating that you matter we matter our home matters you know for as a guy i think it's easy for me to think about well hey i'm I'm out there providing, you know, I'm protecting my family. I mean, those are my responsibilities. Shh, these are all oh. the things I've said. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Gene, You're blowing our cover, Gene Greg. gave me a list, by the way. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> this is good. Well, let, let's jump in. Uh, how did you discover the household chores issue in your own home? And, of course, I know this is going to boomerang, so I ask it very cautiously. How did you discover your need to chip in? Well, because Aaron, yeah, it didn't take long. <laughs> I mean, it was. I'm, I'm telling you, it, it is the most obvious thing. Yet, it completely transformed this whole shared responsibility household stuff for me. I walked in. I'm here working at Focus on the Family, so I drive home. I walk into through the garage and into the kitchen, and I just notice there's just chaos. Man, Aaron is making dinner, and the kids are on the the island area, and they're doing homework, and our youngest daughter, Annie, is just spilling something. It was just total chaos. You know, I know that you have to go through that a lot of times. So I, out of the absolute goodness of my heart, walk up to my wife and go, wow, man, there's a lot going on here. How can I help? 
Oh, it sounds reasonable. I mean, I thought I thought <laughs> this is awesome. You know, I mean, d- now I'm telling you, I wasn't doing it to score points. I genuinely was going, "Wow, there's a lot going on here. How can I help?" Aaron didn't take it quite that I way. I was stunned at what she said. I was hurt. She literally goes, "You know what?" She goes, "You're a big boy. You're a grown up. Why don't you look around? Notice what needs to be done. Just jump in and do it." Okay, Aaron, tell us. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like all the women just I don't that's know. right. And guys are that a way to go, girl. Yeah. I'm Kill. hearing that's how he heard it. I'm not sure that's how I said it, but but I mean really I journaled it all right that night. So <laughs> he, he hit record on his cell phone right then and there. So what were you communicating? Well, when he said, How can I help you? In essence, it was like this is your disaster that's going on here, your chaos. How can I help you with your chaos? Ah. But in essence, this is our children our family, our home. And I, he, I mean, he sees exactly what I see. It was chaos. And so really offering to help implied that it was mine to take care of. Uh, and that he was just helping me. Yeah. Uh, Jean is nodding her head yes very solidly. So, I mean. <laughs> I, I heard her why, name popping why a few times. Why are you uh, identifying with what Aaron is saying? Well, Please, tell me. <laughs> yes. Especially, I can remember when the... The boys were young. You do as the mom who is staying home with the kids or who is with the kids at that time, you're not happy that it's chaotic. We don't want it to be chaotic. And I know that I would feel guilty about that. I didn't want it that way when you would walk through the door. And so feeling anything that had uh, the slightest bit of Oh my goodness, Maybe what's going on? Condescension. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like you did, Greg. Yes, it was hurtful. <laughs> and I'm telling you, and that's, I promise on no level did I mean that to come across as condescending. I, it literally, I just, I noticed that there was a lot going on and I wanted to jump in. Well, I think- How do we start the conversation? Say, I know there's a lot going on here. What can I do? I mean, what coaches, what would be a good way to do it? And I think, like Jean said, that that's not the scene that we wish to create. We wish that the children were sitting quietly and doing exactly what we were hoping for and dinner was ready and everything was perfect. But it's not. Real life can get messy. And so what I appreciate so much is when Greg comes in and simply takes initiative and initiates jumping in wherever he sees that help is needed. I trusted his heart that night. I probably snapped at him because I was irritated and stressed out and whatever, but I trusted that his heart was good when he said, how can I help? But really taking initiative and jumping into our partnership, our team, our home, shows me that he also cares about our team and our family. And just taking that initiative means the world. And I'm telling you for me, I'm just saying that what changed in me that day is I realized that there were there were elements and aspects of our family that I had I had almost literally gone that's more her responsibility. My responsibility is this, her responsibility is that. You get your stuff done, I'll get my stuff done. I know there's crossover and overlap, but I mean I think it just I heard that differently in where I realized no 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 no. I told her I said, you know, from this day forward, this is I am equally responsible for all of it. And so let's just then figure out how are we going to divide this up? But it's no longer, hey, how can I help when I'm at home? Okay, now you did this after 22 years of being married. This was about a year ago. Yes. So I appreciate that. <laughs> just being honest. Um, you know, one of our things early on, Gene, if you remember, and I'm sure you do, it was uh, <laughs> just the pace, you know, with the two small kids particularly. 
uh, when Trent and Troy were young, and it, it was chaos. And I'd come through the door, and I remember one night particularly, uh, it was, you know, 5.30, 6, whatever time, and I walked through the door, and the kids were running around, and she was like, you take them. And I don't think my second foot had actually entered the door yet. It was like my left foot was in, my right foot was just about to land, and it was already, take the kids, they're driving me crazy. And I was like, ooh, can I change my clothes first? (laughs) Um, That can be a problem. That can be a problem. And we had to sit down and talk about that, and Jim describes that as the Gordian knot. I had been home all day with very young children, and any mother that has gone through that you are you're just done by the end of the day and you are counting the seconds before your husband walks (laughs) through the door yes before help arrives just to give you a mental break now jim was coming home from a very busy day of work he needed a mental break Mm -hmm. and we did discuss it and i've heard some great advice about this since then i think jim just said to me, I just need to come in, you know, 10 or 15 minutes even, just to come in, change my clothes, just have a short period of time to even just get your thoughts together, transition (laughs) into the home. And that was really important for us. And I could survive 15 more minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was, you know, the kids were just running around and doing what they're doing. But it was was good. But, I mean, that's where a lot of the conflict, though, and the disagreement comes in because I I think that's been a part of the power struggle so that we don't always really truly understand what the other is going through. So we get into this, who's done more, whose job is harder, who really deserves the break. And that's a part that gives people stock. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. If the fights with your spouse have become unbearable, if you feel like you can't take it anymore, there's still hope. Hope Restored Marriage Intensives have helped thousands of couples like yours. Our biblically-based counseling will help you find the root of your problems and face them together. Call us at 1-866-875-2915. We'll talk with you, pray with you, and help you find out which program will work best. That's 1-866-875-2915. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Let's listen to an audio clip of someone who's dealing with this right now. My wife and I each have jobs. Actually, I'm working two jobs and she's only working part-time. And she doesn't do a thing around the house. And it looks like a wreck. I can't stand living like this anymore. Now, when I complain, nothing changes. And all we do is argue about it. What can we do? Well, there you go. Classic situation. Kind of what we're talking about. Overstressed and uh, everybody thinks that's your job, not my job. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think for me, a couple things hit that one, I think if both people are posturing that to run our entire life, that we both have to be equally responsible, that we are on the same team, then I think part of what's going on for this guy is that he also needs to be aware of some of his expectations and his preferences. I mean, there's a lot to get done. It sounds to me like he's expecting the house is going to work a certain way, look a certain way. And so it would be one of those to where he needs to sit down and they need to have a conversation about his expectations for what needs to get done. Because all it seems like he's doing is trying to manipulate her 
into keeping a house clean according to his standards. Well, and again, we're talking about something that the Pew Research, right behind faithfulness and intimacy, physical intimacy in marriage, um, why, especially in the Christian community, why do we not understand how to do this better? Why is there so much energy around this topic. And we've all got it. You guys have been very open. Gene and I, the same thing. I think my expectations of coming home and uh, what the environment should be like, she felt uh, guilty. Is that fair, Gene? That is. And for us, I would say today, we have worked that out really well. It's just fallen very naturally into roles. I tend to do the chores for the inside of the house for the most part and you do the outside of the house. When the kids were younger, though, I think what I was feeling was that I was working just as hard as you were. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what a young mother feels. It's a different type of work, but we're working just as hard, and then we are expected at night or whenever we, our children have gone to bed or whenever we can fit it in, then we do all the rest of the chores for the house. And that's really overwhelming. And I think that it just feels like it's discounting the job that we're doing in the home during the day. Hmm. And I think, I'm telling you, I think that that's at the heart of most that of what feeling goes of on. being discounted. Well, I think it because anytime you venture down this path and you have this discussion, this is honestly one of the conversations that Aaron and I so struggle with is that the moment we get into this kind of well, I'm doing this, but I'm doing this, it just it goes south so fast. And I think at the heart of it, it's that the moment I start to pick up any hint or whiff of even if I'm reading into what she's saying, if it appears to me she's saying, you're not doing enough, you're not pulling your weight, it feels so marginalizing to what I do and bring to the table that I just, I shut down and I get so upset. And I know vice versa, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what makes this conversation so difficult. Well, and I think in this day and age, women, and I know for me, I work part-time and then manage four kids and, you know, the house and, you know, the chores and that I'd say the average woman today is feeling pretty overwhelmed. Well, and I've, Aaron, and I've had this conversation as of late and I'm, I'm yeah. saying to her that we both are working a ton outside the home and inside the home, there's just more that has to get done than is humanly possible to get done. And what I've told her, what's frustrating is to me, then it comes down a lot of the times to preferences. She wants the house to look a certain way or certain things to get done. Whereas I'm going, hey, I could literally work 24 seven to get everything done. I don't want to live my life that way. What has to give? Something's got to give. That's then where we battle is on, well, I think that can give. I don't know why we have to do that chore. Mm -hmm. I'd rather go and and watch TV for the next hour than to do that thing. Well, and here's the bottom line. I mean, there's, I would think there's roughly a third of the folks who are identifying with what we're talking about. They're living in that space. A third have probably managed this pretty well, and it was never a big issue. So they're thinking, why are you even talking about this? What's the spiritual application to all this? And the other third, they're desperate because they're dying. This Mm -hmm. is an area that it's the oxygen hose of their marriage, and it's being crushed Mm -hmm. because they're not relating well. They haven't found a way to relate in this area. They're hurting each other emotionally because they they haven't found a way to do it. And so no matter which third that you're in, I hope you can appreciate what we're talking about is communication in your marriage and being able to find the tools and the the resources you need to be able to communicate in such a way that it doesn't create 
you know, a discussion that goes like this. I'm tired of him. Mm-hmm. In fact, let's listen to this audio tape. So my husband's job is very physical, and when he comes home, he's super tired, and he goes straight to the recliner. Well, I work too, and I don't have any time for myself because I have to fix the meals, help the kids with the homework, get them ready for bed, etc., etc. I've asked him to help me, but he just ignores me. I don't want him to do a lot, but a little bit of help would be nice. How can I get him to help me in the evenings? Uh, let's, Aaron and Jean, talk about that, what that woman is expressing and what she's feeling. Do you agree with me that over time that will erode her respect and love for her husband? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And actually, uh, it's the research has shown that it's these irreconcilable differences that people are filing for divorce. It seems so small. It's not big stuff. No, it is the day-to-day feeling like it's unfair, feeling disrespected, feeling alone and isolated in this chaos that people... People really are ending up divorcing is that, because you, of it. Would you say, do you think that may be the reason for Christian divorce more than anything else? I don't know what the research would suggest there, but to me that would um, make more sense of what's happening with Christians who file for divorce. Certainly it's going to be the big things like you talked about, infidelity, mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. But it might just be the accumulation of little things. I think you're onto something that really it's these little small things that go on day after day after day, year after year after year. Often couples who, you know, in the first year of their marriage are doing the same thing in the 20th year and nothing changes. It's these patterns that get laid early on and then it, it causes hearts to close and and eventually they harden, and then they're walking two individual parallel paths instead of being unified mm. and experiencing unity, which marriage was designed for. Right. And isn't the core of all these problems, it really gets down to communication, that the clip we just heard, the woman is very frustrated, but she needs to be able to find a way to sit down and discuss this with her husband and to be able to feel safe and to help him feel safe and not hurtful to be able to communicate this when she's not angry. Mm. So isn't communication really at the core? Mm. Absolutely. They have to develop a way to, to really talk this through in a way that works for them, that leads to some sort of successful resolution or something. You know, for me, one, one of the things that I realized, as we talked about earlier, that a core value that maybe I was missing in some way was that, you know what, now to get everything done, to manage all of our life together that we've built, both of us have to be 100% responsible. That has to be our belief. There really can't be, well, this is yours. No, this is mine. What does that mean, though? That, that can be so, it sounds good. How does it play out practically? So when I come home at night, so if my belief is that my job is to provide and bring in the money for my family, if that's it, then when I get home, what am I going to do? Then I'm going to offer mm-hmm. help. Then I'll say, you know, tonight I'm feeling in a better mood, so I, I will offer, I'll give you a half an hour. How would you like me to spend my half an hour of, of offer to you versus when I come home, I am 100% responsible for everything that goes on. Therefore, I'm not asking Aaron, how can I help? I'm looking around. I see kids doing homework. I'm jumping in there. I've told her that no longer will you do the dishes. That's mine. I own that. 
So, but this is how I want it done. And we even began to argue. She she wanted it it done right after dinner. I said, no, 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 no. Everybody does uses more dishes into the evening. Stack them in the sink before I go to bed. I'll load it up, turn the dishwasher on, and I'll unload it before I go to work. And she's hey, had Jean, to let go. Jean, of some wipe of that. that smile off your face. I, well, no, I I do want to jump in and say that is really important what part? for the women to accept the way. Yes. That their husbands uh, are helping them because it's not going to be the way you want it done. Mm-hmm. Did you learn this through experience? Yes, <laughs> I have learned this through experience. And we just really need to keep our mouths closed and to be <laughs> thankful for the help. They actually have a term for this called maternal gatekeeping. It's maternal a lot of gatekeeping. Yeah, a lot of the stuff that will happen in the home, the care for the child, that flows usually through that mom. And so she has this complete sense of ownership so when the dad says now i'm going to take this part it can be challenging okay Mm -hmm. so let me ask you that question because a lot of husbands feel their wives are overbearing or controlling at home you know they're demanding things is that the essence of it they're trying to maintain control in order to maintain calm in order to maintain a less chaotic environment we just have ways of of doing things i mean you know at work i have the way that i want stuff done and i have people who are going to help do that i think it's the same way at home but i think that's where this comes in i'm responsible for this i own this i need to be freed to do it the way that i best see that or then it's going to continue to be a power struggle Mm -hmm. and i think you said this you referred to this earlier that we both have to matter we both are a marriage is two people in two differences two preferences and different ways of doing things i have gotten to where i i think my issue was he would say oh i'm going to do it before i go to bed and leave the dishes there i'd think "Mm mm-hmm yes those dishes are going to be there in the morning but he has consistently shown me that yes i can the dishes can stay there and when i wake up in the morning they're gone they're done. And I cannot tell you how much the simple act of being responsible for the dishes has meant to me. The difference for me, I'm not doing that stuff to score points, set up maybe later on that evening. I'm not doing that. I'm Mm-mm. just saying, you know what? I want to show up equally responsible for all of of what it takes to manage our home. So I think that's one. I think another big one is the attitude has to be uh, sacrifice in being a servant. You know, for like, because otherwise this is not going to work. I mean, if I have to show up also realizing that the Son of God, my Lord and Savior Christ, said that the Son of God did not come here to be served. He came here to serve. And that needs to be my attitude. What if Aaron and I got up every morning with our goal to outserve the other? to sacrifice for one another. When I come home and I'm tired, and there's plenty of times where I'm like, I don't, yeah, I can see there's an area that that probably needs to be vacuumed. I just, I'd rather watch TV. I'm just tired. But if my attitude is, no, you know what, I want to I wanna outserve her. I want to sacrifice for her. You see, I mean, that, that can motivate then towards doing some of these things that, that need to get done. So I think if I'm responsible, if I'm saying, hey, I want to I wanna serve, who was it that, that said, uh, I think it was the author George Eliot said that what do we live for if it's not to make life less difficult for each other? Well, you know, but I mean, that's being a servant. Yeah, and you're putting your finger on probably the biggest issue and the biggest collapse or the reason for the collapse in marriage today is that we as Christians are also <laughs> selfish because yeah. the culture is so selfish and it's hard to refrain 
from that behavior. But yeah. that at its core is, I think, the biggest problem that we face. But I think when the attitude is we're on the same team, we're teammates, that there's times that I am going to pick up and do whatever Greg was supposed to do because of whatever's going on for him. Maybe he had a late meeting and you know what? I had to do the dishes, you know? (laughs) And so I think (laughs) when you keep your heart in the place of being a servant, then when you jump in for your teammate, it's okay. There's no resentment or bitterness because of that, but we're, you know, I'm doing what I need to do for our team. But you're describing something that's critical, I think. Mm -hmm. It's an attitude. You said it right at the beginning. It's an attitude that you wake up with every day, hopefully, Mm -hmm. that you can um, get through the day with an attitude that shows that graciousness, shows a desire to help. And again, I don't know why in the marital relationship the enemy of our soul seems to attack at that very point because he can divide you, he can separate you and conquer you emotionally if you're on each other's back about what the other is expecting and what you're not doing for them. I'm telling you, Satan knows that when we work together, when we're unified, when we're heading the same direction, pulling in the same direction as teammates, trying to outserve one another, he knows the power of our marriage and he's afraid of it. What a great conversation with Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley and Jean Daly on this episode of Focus on the Family, uh, balancing those household chores. Uh, That's just critical to having a successful marriage. Absolutely. Both spouses uh, have to own it 100% of the way. You have to be intentional in your communication with your spouse to nail down your expectations and talk uh, them through. Let me simply say to Christian married couples, if you want to be a witness to the world, this is an area where we need to challenge ourselves. We don't need to be perfect, but consistent. If you're the husband who's coming home with an attitude like, I've done my part and now the rest is up to her, I hope you're really listening today. This applies to me too, by the way, and you're willing to shake that loose a bit. Mm -hmm. Think differently. Think about owning it 100%. Think about how to serve your wife in a way that at the end of the day, she can say, wow, thank you for helping out. And same for the woman. Thank your husband for working hard all day and affirm him in that role. Imagine what more effective communication and this kind of servant attitude will do for your marriage. And we want to, on a regular basis, uh, just lift you up and feed this kind of information to you. It's why Focus on the Family is here. We want to help you better understand those day-to-day struggles and conflicts in marriage and learn how to appropriately handle them. Yes, it's our mission to minister to couples in need, marriages that need strengthening, or even those in crisis. If you are looking for answers, get in touch with Focus on the Family. In fact, we've launched a new weekly podcast with Greg and Aaron called Crazy Little Thing Called marriage. And they dig deeper into marriage topics that will help you and your spouse strengthen your relationship no matter what stage you're in. You can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. We also have top-notch resources available like Greg and Aaron's book, Fight Your Way to a Better Marriage. And when you donate to the Ministry of Focus on the Family today, a gift of any amount will send you a copy of their book as our way of saying thank you for supporting strong marriages. Yeah, donate today and uh, get a copy of the book, Fight Your Way to a Better Marriage. Uh, details are at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast or give us a call, 800, the letter A and the word family. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.
Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.